talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome again to More Like the Worst Wing, our show. We're here now in 2022. We take a look back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a bit more of a modern leftist perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And we are here to discuss the episode entitled In God We Trust. We are now, this is the third to last episode in season six. Fuck yeah. Uh, we're... We are quickly approaching the end of the season, and we will tackle the next two episodes together uh, as they are basically a combined two-parter leading to the Democratic National Convention, where the primary will finally be resolved on the Democratic side. But forget the Democratic side for this episode. This episode is all about the Republican primary and its current victor, Mr. Arnie Vinnick. Yeah, so this is a slice of life of how, like, the Vinnick campaign sort of operates internally. And we get the best part of this episode is all of the, like, guest stars and stuff. Like, we say mm-hmm. that a lot. Like, we always, we're, we're always crushing on guest stars and stuff when this we record. This show gets but, really good guest stars, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't, can't blame us, really, because all the mm-hmm. guest stars are really good. And there are a shitload of them in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, this show had a huge poll, so they could basically get whoever they wanted, even after Sorkin left. Um, so, yeah, just, like, a lot of, like, great, you know, character actors from movies and film that... And they're all doing, like, great work. Like, later on, we get um, Brent Culler, Culler? Cullen. Cullen, thank you. Brent Cullen, like, has, like, literally less than a minute of screen time <laughs> as, as Vinick's VP candidate... And, like, instantly sells you everything about this re- this Republican sleazeball character in, like, his less than one minute on screen. It's just great stuff. Yep. The And I think just kind of overall, there's there has been this sort of, ooh, this very big suspense about Arnie Vinnick's campaign. Mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. as I was watching this, just, like, kind of out the very beginning, the... You haven't noticed filming a primary is hard or expensive. Filming the yeah. reaction to the primary is much easier. Yeah, exactly. We get so we open on the right? hotel room celebration of like him winning the Republican primary, but we yeah. see nothing of <laughs> how that process actually happened. <laughs> we, we didn't see fucking dick. Of any of this stuff. That's ex- Do you know how expensive it would be to show, like, bunches of different people all voting and stuff like that? Like, like finding the right sound stage. And yeah. locations and extras. <laughs> and, like, we did all that already three years ago for, like, the election episodes. I don't want to do it again. Let's just show the hotel room. Yeah. So, it's... They build this entire narrative of essentially, like, polling. It's, like, the fucking... You get these phone calls about poll results and then election results, and all of a sudden, what? oh, Vinick's the nominee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we basically saw nothing of how the sausage got made. We would get like occasional hints of the Republican primary sometimes in the Santos episodes, but and now they just kind of yada yada over it. <laughs> well, and so I think this is part of what I was watching with Emma, like. In retrospect, we're watching this with a complete command of the full series at this point. At the time, the drama was probably amplified because you didn't know what was fucking going to happen. Like, 
sure. Yes, they've got this spectacular guest star, and so yes, we are being like they're they're telegraphing it to us a little bit what's going to happen. But there's a bunch of Leo screen time where he's just like, holy shit, this guy, he's so good. He's, he's so the best good. Republican. He's the best. And oh, we're oh man, we're supposed to be kind of like questioning whether he'll pull it out or whatever, but. It's not really the show's fault because how do you do that in like in real time when you're releasing this serially an episode at a time? Like of course he's going to win, but sure. It's on the show to sort of be like, well, maybe. Mm, uh, maybe right. I don't know. Right, to give just like a little bit of drama in there, but like yeah, you're right. It's Alan fucking Aldo. Of course he's going to be <laughs> the nominee. No, it's going to be that other guy who we we haven't shown at all and who has like 2 seconds of screen time. Uh, or Don Davis, who we invented yeah. <laughs> just for this episode, who is who is stepping down from losing the Republican primary, uh, as as we see him on TV, and then Vinick is like, mm, maybe I should make him my VP, and there's a lot of speculation within the campaign about that. But that's sort of the main yeah. plot yeah, yeah. line of the Vinick campaign in this episode is his who is he going to decide f- to be his vice presidential nominee? So. We get the the first strike at it is a guy. The actor's name is Don Davis, and I think that like the senator's name is Don something too. Yeah, um, it was, I forget. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a church going hardcore, you know, GOP type who that and that's Alan Alda or Vinick's main concern is that he's not like pro life enough and like churchy enough for the GOP base. Yeah. And, that and he's worried about that flank of it and this and so therefore getting this guy to be his VP would basically shore up that flank and like basically guarantee him the victory, supposedly. That's what his campaign thinks, that's what he thinks. Yeah. And that's and what like the wisdom is, is, supposedly. Yeah, it's it's the utilization of the demographic of your VP, even though the VP itself is legitimately a meaningless role. Right. You <laughs> Back in the day when these sorts of things sort of technically you, you seemed like they would matter. You balance the ticket. Like you yeah. balance the ticket like, you know, Barack Obama did because he was right. black. By having a quote-unquote <laughs> elder statesman. <laughs> in, a, in fucking, a white guy. In a pre-dementia Joe Biden at least. Who yeah. Yeah, at least could keep his brain together back then. So Yeah, so there's a couple. We get a lot of Vinick staffer, both Stephen Root and Patricia Richardson, weighing mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. on this stuff and, and strategizing, being like, well... You know, Patric- you get, particularly Patricia, yeah. Yeah, you get Don on board as your vice president, and then you've got the evangelical wing, like, mm-hmm. wrapped up. And between the two of you, you just fucking sweep it. Like, it's, right. it's it'll be great. Like, you got it. You know, then the, you've got the GOP on board. The independents love you. You'll even get, like, a good chunk of Democrats voting for you. Like, bing, bang, boom, done. And so he's like, okay. And he's like, uh, you know, he's not my first choice, and you know, I I would prefer this other guy, you know, this this younger guy who's like, you know, uh, attorney general or something like that, that, that who ends up being the guy we meet later. But uh, but he's like, okay, fine, I'll do the pragmatic thing. I'll take Don Davis as my VP candidate, and so he arranges a meeting with him, or actually, Don Davis arranges a meeting with Vinick first. Yes, and and takes the initiative. Uh, to come out and be like, oh, whoa, whoa, before you even offer me anything, just know I, w- I can't take it. I fucking disagree with you too much on abortion. De- deal with it. Deuces. Like, Im- imagine. 
the, the brain in 2022 who'd be like, no, I don't want to be a heartbeat away from the presidency. Right. Like, from uh, And like Alan Alda is not a spring chicken. Yeah, you know? absolutely. He's not, he's not unhealthy, but like you have a good chance if you're his VP of being president. I mean, uh, so yeah, he yeah. preemptively just says, no, sorry. No, peace out. And then like immediately turns to the press and basically attacks him. Uh, and calls him yeah. out and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to fucking pray for his soul so that he changes his mind about abortion. And then if he did that, well, I would tattoo vote Vinick on my forehead. I like this is this is as much as a lot of the things in this show are a complete fantasy. The ghouls in charge of the GOP would never no. allow this. There no. would be no would be pers- question. Remember what happened to Mass and Cawthorn when yeah. he tried to hint, hint about the orgies? Don, Don like, Davis would be faced with orgy revelations and whatever yeah. else. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, yeah, this is fantasy that the, yeah, that the Republicans are going to, like, betray each other in these, like, obvious comical, like, public ways that then the Democrats can take advantage of is another liberal fantasy. Well, and also, the the time when this is permissible is during the primary. Exactly. At that point, all gloves like the gloves come off. Fine, but once there's once there's a decision made, it's very. I mean, it's the kind of the authoritarian right. It is. This is your guy. You shut the fuck up and you help him get elected. Right. Right. Which he. Which to be fair, at first Don Davis does in his like concession camp speech. He's like, now is the time to unite. And get the party in the White House. And it's like, okay. And and Alan Alda's like, yeah, he's a good foot soldier. Uh, and that's what makes him originally offer him VP. But then, you know, he comes around and he just, like, preemptively backstabs him, essentially. Yeah, absolutely bizarre. So anyway, then he's sort of left in this conundrum, at which point, you know, Patricia Richardson's weighing in on stuff. And then, guess who's back, yes. baby? We need a chief uh, strategist. Pew, 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 pew. Fucking Bruno, God It's bless. fucking Bruno. Oh, <laughs> uh, so good, so good to see Bruno again. So yeah, he rolls in, and 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 he, he obviously Bruno knows exactly what's going on, and he goes on this spiel about like I could win you all fifty states. This is so easy. Like like, and they're like, and Vinick's like, what are you talking about? We we don't even know who we're campaigning against yet. And Bruno's like. You ready for me to blow let you blow your fucking mind? I wouldn't even mention your opponent at all. Boom, boom, mic drop. Whoa. Yeah, and obviously he is right. And he basically goes on this spiel about how Vinick has all these likables because he is the hype the hypothetical liberal fantasy of the good Republican who is somehow like pro environment. <laughs> yeah, sure. And uh <laughs> like, you know, pro trade in like a way that helps workers or you know, again, a, a total fantasy like when we saw when he was talking to the mining people and he's like, But don't you like free trade? And they're like, No, you took our jobs. Yeah. Shut shut the fuck up. <laughs> we hate you. Uh yeah, but no, in, in this episode, he is the hypothetical, like, magical Republican who is the compassionate conservative, who is the maverick truth-teller that basically the whole country would like. 
and, and Bruno actually advises him against picking Don Davis as the VP because he's too hardcore yeah. and you're going to turn off the independence and you're not going to get your landslide that I'm predicting for you if you do it my <laughs> yes. way. Yes. <laughs> I have this data. No, you can't see it. That suggests right. that right. if you yeah, After you guy, hire me win. and give me my contract for 12% of the advertising spend, then we can talk about yeah. <laughs> how you're going to get a 50-state victory. Well, yeah, so... Yeah, it's so Bruno ends up giving him the advice that he kind of wants to hear because he didn't want to go with Don Davis to begin with. Yeah, I mean, and okay, fine. Then they eventually, like, they they work through it. And it's kind of the Bruno thing is juxtaposed to change subject a little bit with Patricia Richardson's sort of just out of the blue... um, Family drama? Yeah, like, it's and it's not even that <laughs> Where much... Where she gets a lot more characteriz- characterization all of a sudden? Yeah, all of a sudden she's got a kid that she's on the phone with a lot. And right, like, and we even get to see the kid uh, later on in the episode, and, and the kid has a moment with, uh, with the senator, even. Yeah, it's very... I, I get it. You can have it all. You can be a working mom in America... <laughs> Right, yeah, she's managing. She's hopping between uh, like an important call with a donor and then a call with her kid to help with math homework. Ha- hashtag girl bossing. Yeah, it's just very um, sudden. We uh-huh. we didn't get any of this. I th- I think it's literally there just for the kid in the center to have that moment. So. We talked about earlier when Don Davis is like, I'm going to pray for him. Then the press ambushes Vinick with like, are you going to take him up on that? Do you want to go to church with him? Do you even go to church? When's the last time you've been to church? And and he's like, uh, he just kind of runs away. Uh, And then him and Patricia Richardson have the conversation about like, well, do you go to church? He's like, well, my wife died and I kind of lost faith and I haven't been in like five or six years. And this is like a big deal now. And, and like, it ends up becoming this thing. And then after the press questions, he goes back to the office and that's where the kid is. And the kid gets to have like the out of the mouths of babes moment of like, do you go to church, Senator? And like, he gets to be open and honest with her because she's a kid and not the Mm -hmm. press. Yeah. And then, and then she just has like, uh, like this kind of like beautiful moment of like, she's like, I think you should. Unless you don't believe in God. My best friend Maggie doesn't believe in God because her parents don't believe in God. But she still comes to our church on Christmas Eve to see the nativity play because I'm always in it and she's my best friend. And it's like this, you know, it's like this beautiful childlike innocent of like, you know, we're all just people at the end of the day. And it's so, it's like this slice of heaven interjecting in this cynical (laughs) politics machine. Yeah. And okay, good. Good for you, show. Like, you know, work that. (laughs) exploit that shit because otherwise all the everything about religion and like going to church and shit is just so fucking predictable Mm -hmm. in this show and i honestly looking i I love how it's always church by the way never temple or mosque or yes or some other type of you know non-denominational facility it is always referred to as only the word church Yep, and it's it's a convenient uh, rhetorical play too, where they say faith, but they mean Christianity. They, you know what they mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's always, and you know the fucking theocrats will always redound to that where it's oh no, you know I I have great faith 
because faith is ambiguous, just enough ambiguous that like the dog right. whistle is right. blowing. flies over most people's yeah. heads. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it, the church thing becomes a whole thing because he's personally, you know, he's not atheist per se. The, they get into a whole thing with him and Bartlett when they're eating ice cream together. Well, yeah, I want to I wanna dedicate a little. Okay, okay, to we'll that. get to we'll so, get to that. But they, let's just keep it on like the politics end of it then. So like they they're like, well, you should go to church with with Don Davis and like and have like a photo op moment. It would be huge. It would be great for you. And then he ends up having the resolution of this at the end of the episode is he's he's in front of the press and he's having this maverick moment where he's like, look. I could have just gone to church with Don Davis and had my fucking photo op moment and you all would have loved it, you fucking trash swine. But <laughs> if you like that, then you're just going to love anyone who panders to you. And so I refuse to pander and and selfishly just get to skip going to church, which is what I really wanted. <laughs> yes, ne- never mind. Like, my choices are the correct ones because I right. can rationalize them. Right, but he ends up turning into, like, a political win by doing, like, this kind of maverick move of like dropping the quote-unquote truth bombs as you'd like so noted of like you oh you just want someone who will go to church you fucking sheeple pandering worshipers no not me i'm i've got backbone like i'm i'm my own man and i'm gonna let you decide because you're smart enough average right. voter joe like right and to be fair the public loves that kind of yes. shit so like <laughs> I totally get it. He, he, and it's Alan Alda. He's very charismatic and everything. Like, were he a real candidate, he'd be crushing it. <laughs> yes. And he correctly chooses to pander to the ego of the voter rather than yes. to the, like, the herd mentality of the must be religious perspective. Right. And to correctively, correctly reframe the argument of, like, instead of, like, oh, do you go to church? Like, it should be, who the fuck cares? It shouldn't matter. And if you want it to matter, fuck you. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and like, yes, that's how you do politics. That's how you answer political questions when, like, the real answer is uncomfortable to say aloud, which is, eh, I don't feel like going to church, which is, you know, is the truth, but wouldn't fly politically. Yeah, when you when you can't when you can't take the mask off, or because I am I'm extending some grace to the show's writers here, because honestly, a real Republican wouldn't even bother with this sort of right. bullshit these days. When you must sort of be your authentic self game. and play the game yeah. at the same time. You can navigate that space, and Arnold Vinnick is capable of doing that. Right, is real, real good at it, which yeah. is the big lesson of this episode. Well, and but, that's what Leo warned about initially. Mm-hmm. So to bring it right on back, you know, Leo spent a lot of time setting us up to be like, he will be the best at this game, and within right. the within the the narrow bounds and confines right. of the show's like, idea, you'll, you'll try to come at him from some angle, and he'll turn it into a strength, actually. And this yeah. is exactly what he did. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss some other parts of this episode.
Okay, so there's very little, like, actual politicking in this episode. We do <laughs> I get... I mean, you say that, they pass a bill. Oh, holy two, shit. Two bills, technically. Well, they're, they're being very productive, much like the Joe Biden administration is currently. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter what not, the bill is, not, yeah, as long as you pass it. It's not just simply checking off a box saying, yes, we can run the country's credit card again this year. <laughs> yeah, so there's a the, there's un- a fight. the unlock card button on your on your bank's website. <laughs> yeah, there there's a fight mounting about the debt ceiling, which we all know is bullshit, and we don't need to talk about it any fucking more. Yeah, I think but, everyone here knows that. Hopefully, uh, there's but there's just there's a bunch of your ancillary characters like Charlie and CJ and and Toby for a brief Kinda moment coming about in about. It. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's so complicated. Like, gosh, do you guys know what interest rates are? Right. Oh, and, uh, I'm enumerate. I'm an American. Uh, uh, Kristen Chenoweth's Annabeth put, puts the best point on it where she's like, okay, so what is it? Is it an apocalyptic event or is it something that happens all the time that we don't have to worry about? <laughs> and, yeah. and, that, and that's the question. <laughs> and, it's and, both. and that is, it is, it is left unanswered because <laughs> if the show was to be honest about it, it wouldn't be particularly dramatic. Right. Um, Admitting it's a self-imposed problem. <laughs> So that leads to the the fact that this drama is happening leads to some maneuvering within Congress oh and a couple of bills. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered fucking talk, talking about the economy. Vinick says early in the episode, like someone's asking him, like, well, so what's about your tax policies? Like, for every one dollar in taxes, I'm gonna cut it. I'm going to cut two dollars in government discretionary spending, and like that just leads to three x the government revenue loss. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the worst plan ever. It's Maybe's plan from Arrested Development, where she's embezzling from the register and throwing out bananas because she says it'll keep even. With on the books, <laughs> like no, that just leads to double loss. And it's it's again, it's Tobias and um, being like, but it could work for us. <laughs> like, oh my god, I just love that. Like that got that gets just accepted as like a normal, totally rational policy. Like, no, I'll just cut three times the spending. Ha ha ha! Mm-hmm. Big oh. big thunk, big tap on forehead. So. This leads to Vinick. So Bartlett is, you know, he's got his fingers in these pies uh-huh. and whatnot. So he's, you know, keeping, keeping his finger on the pulse. And eventually he sets up a series of meetings in the Oval Office. The first of which is he brings in <laughs> Bingo Bob and Matt Santos uh-huh. for a meeting. Uh-huh. And just, it's just great. Make, yeah. He, he's like, all right, we're all going to play fair. No, no hits below the belt. No attacking each other. Like... Because I will come in and put my thumb the fuck on that scale if you guys start acting up. It's like President Dad is talking to his two big sons <laughs> yeah. to be like, play nice, boys. Yeah, and they both have to sheepishly like agree to it and then do a handshake photo op where the photographers <laughs> are just like shuffled in. They take photos for 10 seconds and they go, all right, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> It's it's great, and it's more. You had mentioned kind of the the treatment of the media earlier, like and thing. The show is just so obsessed with the perception of the media as like the vultures, yep, just circling oh, constantly, yeah. there and they're mul- gonna get multiple us. scenes where Vinick has to herd past reporters who are just hounding him with questions, questions. Why will the questions never stop? It's like, oh no, not questions, not. 
wanting me to expand upon my extremely ill-thought-out ideas. Oh, my Uh-oh. God. Uh, I never knew writing for president would mean asking questions in front of cameras. God. God. Well, and so the whole meeting comes up. We get a very brief Will Bailey moment where he's being a huge bitch he's, about bringing his candidate in. His whole character now is just like the Virgin Will versus the Chad CJ. <laughs> like, he's just like, no, you can't do this. Yeah, it's the crying Wojak meme of like, no, you can't do this. You have to respect the vice president. The vice president wants to do this. And just Chad CJ, like big chin energy. No. He'd <laughs> be like, Yeah. He's in my administration, so he's going to do what I tell him to do. Deal with it. And she just, like, doesn't give any fucks about him. It's so wonderful. Like, she just treats him like a fly she has to shoo away. (laughs) And Will's just like... Like, it's so fun. His character went from, like, the next Sam, like, the, the, the hope of the party, and now he's just, like, this embarrassed little nerd. I, yeah, I know. It's it's awful. Like, and there was some potential. And sure enough, it's like, nope, nope. Now he's just going to be a whiny dork yeah. about it. Yeah, they're not even going to, like, have him, like, quit and, like, join the Santos campaign or anything. He rides this, like, all the way down. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He doesn't even and get to, like, Donna gets to join the winning team at one point, you know? Like, because she's cool. Oh, for sure. But, like, but Will, no, not Will. We don't need any more nebbish weirdos in the White House. We've got plenty. We've got Toby. He's enough for everybody. <laughs> the, um, I just think it's really funny. <laughs> they do They do the meeting. They do the handshake opportunity. He scolds them mm-hmm. briefly. And so mm-hmm. then the next time we see stuff in the White House is Vinick mm-hmm. drops by because as a result of this maneuvering on the debt ceiling and the minimum wage. Right. Yeah, so the Democrats attach a minimum wage amendment to the debt ceiling hike bill that has to go through by midnight, you know, because it's the debt ceiling, you know, deadline BS. So they attach a minimum wage hike to it, and the Republicans are like, whoa, 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 you're playing chicken with the debt ceiling? Which is like, that's the whole point of the debt ceiling. Yeah, like, and don't, I'm using this as leverage because it's utterly meaningless otherwise. Right. Of course I am. So (laughs) Vinick is like, oh, these fucking Democrats doing a, a stunt. How, how dare they? Decorum, decorum. And uh, and goes over to the White House to meet with Bartlett. Well, his, and his answer to it is to do a stunt of his own. Right. We get the, like, oh, my God, it's the it's the unexpected drop-in in the white in the West Wing. <gasps> how is, why is this guy walking through the West Wing? Right, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, we get <laughs> many dramatic shots of it, of, like, yeah, the Toby's office seeing him him walk by and yeah oh my gosh they really hype it up yeah well and then i mean he basically it it actually rules then because i i was initially pretty pissed off at this because they're leaning so hard on like the tried and true standby maneuver here but basically vinick sits down with the president and just fucking destroys him yeah barlett's like well i hear you need to extend the debt ceiling and he's just like yes frankly no you need to extend the debt ceiling because it's going to be seen as your fault if the financial apocalypse comes around so i've got these votes in my pocket and i will give them to you if you also just like give them what i need and i can't even remember what vinick is trying to get accomplished okay so he has the best dumbest logic so he his set he says okay just 
pass the minimum wage, uh, the debt ceiling on its own, and then I will get you Republican votes for the Minimum Wage Act because, quote, there are seven Republican states that have minimum wages that are higher than the federal minimum. We don't want to lose jobs to the states that have the lower minimum wage, which is the exact opposite of how economics <sighs> works. Yes. When you and, pay your workers more, they have more discretionary income and improves your state's economy. And basically, this is like the Mitch McConnell special that Democrats cannot avoid just chomping hard on. And of course, Bartlett chomps fucking hard. He's just like, oh, okay, I see you have bested me. And I definitely trust you to deliver to me what you said you would, even though... You clearly have all the cards. Well, and because it's West Wing universe, he actually does deliver on what he says. Oh, of course, yeah. Like, that's the ultimate liberal fantasy is that, uh, oh, at, at the end of the day, he keeps his word. In reality, what happens here is he Bartlett gets conned into passing the debt ceiling and Mitch McConnell pulls the minimum wage bill. Yeah, pulls the minimum wage bill from the floor. Doesn't even let it get a vote. <laughs> right. But, like, yeah, because it is West Wing liberal fantasy, yes, this ends up going through and they pass a minimum wage act. As I said when we were talking about it before, it's very telling that in no time during any mention of said Minimum Wage Act do we get talk about what the wage is actually increasing to, what it was, and what it's going to be. Yeah, so I think it also, the show starts to really suffer in this season. We've noticed it, more people are noticing more and more, that (laughs) the, the the show's framework of reality has started to depart from the real world enough that there are consequences Mm -hmm. within the show. Because in the show's canon, I think we mentioned this last time we recorded, 9-11 has not happened. Right. Yeah, we're just, you know, there's Qatar, and, you know, uh, we have, you know, uh, tension with Qatar, which is definitely not Iraq. Iraq's not real. We're fine with Iraq in this universe. And so... I think this is either a dodge to not bother to further place the show within a time frame. I guess. Or I think ultimately it's just that the condescension runs so deep that minimum wage is just like a stand-in for, oh, those poor schmucks. Right. Like, right. No the, one the, actually the, makes the fuckheads we it's don't care the, about. It's the 16-year-olds in McDonald's. Like, who cares? Yeah. And it, uh, frankly, I think... So this is in 2005. Mm-hmm. The minimum wage then I think was like 595. It hasn't increased since whatever the last time it did increase to make it 735. It but it stayed at 735 ever since then. Yes, I think I think it's legitimately so the change went into effect. I think it was 2010 or 2011. Obama signed the bill to do it in 20 2000 2009. Right. And it went from like 535 to like 735 at that point, right? Yeah. It has been 13 years. And it went up $2 the last time. Whoop-de-doo. Which was crazy. Like, that's a 40% increase, which is great. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. Fuck yeah. But like, it should have been going up $2 every fucking year since. Well, and we mentioned there's, there's there's a throwaway line earlier in the episode about how like, if if you're targeting an inflation rate of 2%, then seven years of a nominal 2% inflation rate means your minimum wage is 15, like buys you 15% less. And people don't have 15% of discretionary spending to 
to reallocate mm-hmm. dudes. Yep. So and, maybe and that and those numbers just get worse and worse when inflation goes above two percent, as we are currently <laughs> yeah. seeing. No, certainly not. Nothing has happened in the last year at yeah. all. So the price stability is not going well, and uh, the economy she is breaking down. I yeah. So this actually leads to eventually we get the Vinnick Bartlett like actual deep heart yes. to heart. Yeah, on beyond, the back of the negotiation, the, uh, beyond the Oval Office. Now uh, they go down and uh, to the uh, White House kitchen and they eat giant tubs of ice cream together, which is yes. like the <laughs> most hashtag relatable content in uh, in in hell yeah, world. It, I just it's it uh, the the thing with ice cream ice cream in America. That's I don't get it. So it's I don't a cultural like, like union touchstone almost. I would say, of of yeah, it it it, it sim- symbolizes home and comfort and and indulgence. I don't know. We our our culture is deeply fucked up when it comes to food. <laughs> oh yeah, um, and especially eating as like a reward yep. or like a a, a treat um, desserts. <laughs> yeah, as a treat thing. It, but it's fucking everywhere. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, the like goddamn the, ice the, cream. Goddamn the it. goddamn ice and you, cream. And you sound like a fucking conspiracy theorist with a crazy board know, when right? you talk about it. Unfortunately, because <laughs> it's just ice cream at the end of the day, right? But then you see like the Jenny shit and like all the funding and whatever, and you're like, but what is it? And it's like, but it's just ice cream, man. And it it transcends stuff like fucking um, goddamn Lich King Chuck Grassley. Loves ice cream. Dude <laughs> talks about Dairy Queen on his tweets. Oh right, like, isn't the the it the, is the Dairy Queen is good for you know what? You know what? <laughs> yeah. I I don't know what Senator Grassley. Like, what are you implying? I, I would love to know what the fuck he was. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, I do not know what. Uh, yeah, drugs. So, <laughs> so the the. It, it makes sense in using it in this in a television show because it is it's so deeply ingrained as to this be like this is like your um like your coats off like your shirt sleeves up uh-huh. your tie loosened uh-huh. moment is easily symbolized right and not only that like you could do that without the presence of food of just like oh we're working hard on something it's the ice cream adds a layer of commiserating to it where where they are you know they are both at a like defined sort of low point. Uh, you know, it's something that you see a, a woman do on TV to get over a breakup. You know what I mean? Like, they're eating, yeah, like, comically sure. large tubs of ice cream. And I think you're you're correct in that, because the other way to symbolize this in a... Um, framing it in a powerful white male frame is to kick back and have a beer together, right? right. Like that's the other right. thing. Like, oh, Which the president that I could have normally, a beer together with. Normally we see that all the time. They go into each other's offices in the Senate or whatever. Josh cracks open a beer with whoever and they and then they talk about whatever. But this is different. This is definitely yeah, framed yeah. as both of them being at sort of a low point uh, and having to like commiserate with each other about, well, it's specifically Bartlett talking about the perils of the job to what is going to be the future jobs occupant, presumably. Yeah, we were talking about this before we started to record. It's pretty obvious that the show intended on Arnold Vinnick winning. winning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and you definitely get that feel from this Bartlett Vinnick bit with the ice cream here, where he's basically just like, yeah, man, the job's hard, and he talks about it. He's like, and you know what? You're going to have to go through this, so 
if I were you, I would pray for the strength to get through it, you know? And as you said, it comes back a lot to Bartlett's religiosity. Well, and that's, you know, this is sort of like, they use that as, I don't want to say as like the excuse to talk through these things, but they're kind of, they're kind of banting back and forth about being a religious person. Exactly. Throughout, yep. throughout this Yeah, talk. this is the thematic core of the episode, which is why it's entitled In God We Trust, is that it gets down to this separation of church or state on a real fundamental personal level of like here we have one president who's religious and one who is not or at least not nearly as much yeah nominally just it does not matter to him right so i think it's it's great because again these are the i mean in addition to being elder statesmen in the show's world Mm -hmm. these are elder Elder actor statesmen actors exactly And so you get kind of both levels of it, and obviously Sheen and Alda both have charisma for days, and even just watching them eat ice cream is somehow enrapturing. (laughs) I'm sitting here just like, in my notes, just like, ah, it's so fucking boring, boring, I don't care about religion, like, it's fine, but like, okay, I'll I'll watch, it's it's all good, they're They're, they're adorable together. They're nice old men, and they're eating ice cream. And I want yeah. to know what flavors they are. Each, each <laughs> because tub. there's like nine tubs. Yeah, and they're they dipping. Tubs and and tubs. they're going between each one. I love Alan Alda's like going between each different tub. Like, all right, let me get yeah. some of that. Let me get some of that. Like, that's what I'd be doing, man. <laughs> yeah. And then this all, like it wraps up and they have kind of like this, this tete-a-tete and heart-to-heart. And then Alan Alda, Alan Alda goes out and has his big honest camera moment. Maverick with the reporters. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's a really good episode in terms of like entertaining television. It was very watchable the whole way through. The politics, obviously, as always, are just like Swiss cheese. But like, how many times can we just say that the politics don't make sense on the show? Well, and the again, we mentioned at the at the beginning, just the the guest star power. We even have a guy who I have. I don't remember and I couldn't place as a character actor the majority leader guy oh, right. comes in to congratulate Vinick on getting the nomination. Right. And Emma's big note for this was that we saw this guy one other time in probably season five, but it is the same actor. So they have built a continuous huh. world huh. within this political frame. That's great. Good. Yeah. Good for the show. I always appreciate continuity like that. Yeah. But yeah, as as you said, the the overall theme of like, oh, can't we all just like put our differences behind us and just agree at the end of the day that 2% inflation is the most important thing. It's just like the most end of history energy ever of like where, you know, oh, all this other stuff, that's just distractions. We just got to get together and and hash out the 2% inflation. <laughs> yeah, and I mean ultimately we could you could rename the show like The End of History. Yeah. show because it's ultimately you you find these good republicans and bad democrats and we know that one of them is going to be the one that's tweaking the knobs and twiddling the dials right and it yeah they and, want it to be vinick clearly but we'll get into that as more and more as we discuss season seven and and yeah. the arc of where the campaigns go but yeah this is a good episode in terms of defining vinick as an opponent for santos which is yeah, what it's trying really, to narratively really do, and it accomplishes that really very well. As I said, it's refreshing to get the slice of life from the Vinic campaign, because we've seen so much of the Santos campaign already. 
Yep. And honestly, Vinick's staffers are way more charismatic. Mm-hmm. Like Steven Root and Patricia Richardson are way better yeah. for me to watch than Josh Lyman. Like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, like, uh, we're just used to Josh at this point, so it's just nice to get so. the, f- the fresh energy of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, of yeah. yeah, Steven Root and Patricia Richardson are doing good work as uh, Vinick's top advisors. And like we said, great to see Bruno again. Always awesome to see Bruno. He's the he's the yep. Chad of elections, essentially. He's just so ruthless. I love him. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So that that does it for this episode. Thanks as again for listening, everyone. Uh, we always appreciate it. We love your questions, your comments in either one of our threads, either on SA or BNR. Uh, if you found us a different way, hi, hello, welcome, and you could drop the show an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. And we'll be back to discuss the next two episodes and wrap up season six next time here on The Worst Wing. Bye, everybody. Bye. Stay safe. Stay safe. Money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. <laughs>